It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My computer audio cut out there for a second in the middle of the open. Apologies, John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, and Paul Dettino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. We appreciate you being with us. Um, I do not come bearing news. I do not come bearing... <laughs> I do not know what's going to happen today, folks, so we should just start there. Um, we're waiting like everybody else is, so in terms of what might happen today in terms of the future. So that's where we stand with that. In the meantime, we could talk a little bit about the game yesterday, and of course, we'll take all your calls at 201-939-4513. Mr. Dettino, Mr. Meadow, good morning. How are you gentlemen today? Hello, guys. Doing very well. How about yourself? Doing fantastic, guys. And I guess let, let's start with this. The game yesterday, unfortunately, the game kind of went, I think, the way a lot of us felt, that unless the Giants' defense was able to pull a takeaway or a defensive score or a special teams touchdown out of their bag, uh, this offense was just not going to be able to put together enough long, sustained drives in order to score enough points to win the game. On top of that, they also gave up a defensive touchdown off the pick six. So, I mean, that pretty much was the icing on the cake to do them in because if your offense is struggling to get to even 10 points and then you hand over the opposition a defensive touchdown, that puts you in more of a deeper hole as Bobby McCain had the pick six. And then, John, they wound up with three turnovers again. And this has been the Achilles heel of the Giants in really the second half of the season or since Daniel Jones went down with injury. I was looking through the totals. They finished with the most takeaways, most turnovers, excuse me, in the NFL this season. And when you looked at the first 11 games, they certainly were not on the track record of getting to that point, but they ultimately finished with 30 turnovers, a minus eight turnover differential that was 26th in the NFL. They did have 22 takeaways, but the bottom line is it's still minus eight. And the fact that they were minus 13 in turnover differential in that last six-game stretch, which is no surprise they lost all those games because your offense is not scoring the conventional way. You're turning it over, so you're giving away at-bats, and then more often than not, the opposition is getting great field position, and they were able to cash in. That was pretty much the huge storyline of the final stretch of the season. So, Lance, in short, in a 17-game season, nearly half of the team's takeaway, or turnovers, rather, came in their final six games is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Hard to win that way. Absolutely. Well, Yeah, I mean, look, here's the bottom line. You know, we talked about how Daniel Jones over the course of his career was going to have to reduce his turnovers, and he did that successfully in two and a half seasons of playing in the NFL. His turnover ratio in terms of the number of snaps he played, the number of games he played, went down. That's just a fact. No matter, you know, how many people want to criticize him, the facts are his turnover rate went down. And, you know, if you you didn't believe it, all you had to do was watch when the backups got in there, and their turnover rate went up. Uh, I can't illustrate it more clearly than that. And and as you know, Lance just mentioned, uh, those are raw numbers. There, there's no dispute about this. This this is a fact. And, and guys, I guess I know the big hullabaloo on social media yesterday, which actually irritated me because I think a lot of people had a hullabaloo about it that weren't really paying attention, at least from a national standpoint. You know, there was a lot made about that play sequence when the Giants got trapped inside their own five-yard line and they ran the two quarterback sneaks to try to create room for the punt. And by the way, this is something Carl Banks and Bob Papa said on the radio broadcast, and I just want to echo what they said because I agree with them. Okay. Based on what happened last week, 
I thought mm-hmm. it was the right thing to do, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, and this is how I'll, I'll try to explain it for fans. I mean, the phone's already ringing off the hook. We don't have a call streamer again today, folks. It should be the last day without one, I promise you. But so I will get to your calls in a second. I don't want to put you on hold too quickly, and then we lose you after a half an hour. So just very, very quickly here. You have it third and was third and nine at the four-yard line. Is that correct? Is that what it was? I believe it was yeah. either for the four or the three. It was one. Of, it was it was inside the five. Okay, so I'm going to put this very very simply. Based on how the Giants had played and, and Jake Fromm's history, what's the chances the Giants convert a third and nine at their own four yard line? What ten percent? One out of ten? You Pretty think? low. Fifteen percent, maybe at best. I mean, in general, teams only convert third and nines at probably like a twenty five percent clip anyway. So the way the Giants' offense was playing, you're looking at what, 10 to 15%? Better question for you, John. What's the percentage chance that a disaster, something worse could happen? Let me finish my mathematical (laughs) formula. Lance, do you agree? About 10 to 15% chance they convert that? Yeah, I don't think the percentage is very high. I I think we could leave it at that. Great. Now, what's the chance something really bad happens? (laughs) Okay, there you go. Whether Well, this is the comparison I want to make, right? Either a sack that turns into a safety, an interception, Okay, a disaster. I mean, that's got to be at minimum seven, eight percent at that point. I oh. mean, it has to be. Even a holding penalty in the end zone is a safety, right? Which, so, which is in theory as possible. Yeah, correct. And and by the way, then you look at last week, right? When they were in a similar situation and they tried to run the ball traditionally and do two traditional runs in a row after they got trapped inside their five yard line. Do you know what happened on those two traditional running plays? <laughs> They lost two to three yards on both of them, and they had a safety. <laughs> so that didn't work last week, and they got a safety doing that. And we just went through the possibilities of trying to, you know, throw for the first down. I'm going to throw this out there too, guys, right? Let's say you throw for the first down, right, and you get that one in ten shot. What's the chances of the Giants actually driving another 50 yards down the field to get what you need to get a field goal, let alone driving the 80 yards you need to get a touchdown the way the offense was playing? Probably slim to none, right? Mm -hmm. The way the offense has been playing. So the correct move there is to just get the ball out of there. And again, this is not the way to win football games. And I'm not saying this is the way you want to play. I'm saying this is the way you had to play based on what was going on on the football field. You hope your defense can force some kind of takeaway and get the ball back. Because to me, there were far more really bad things that could happen by trying to throw the ball there on third and nine than there was trying to just get the ball out of there and let your defense try to, you know, make a play on the subsequent possession. At least that's how I looked at it. I know fans are going to yell at me and I said I'm holding water for the coaches. I don't care because I thought it live at the time. Bob and Carl thought it live at the time. And I just don't see how a fan can think that a third and nine inside your own five with Jake Fromm as your quarterback, those offensive linemen blocking for him against that defense, the way they were pressuring during the course of the game, something good was going to happen. That's just the way I look at it. What I was going to add is, John, they had the false start penalty right before the two runs. So I'm sure that was something that at least they were thinking about. There's an example of already a negative play happening. There's no doubt about it. I think it's fair to label it in terms of a conservative approach. I don't think anyone would be wrong in stating that. Okay, it's 100% conservative because I think that's where at least most of the fans are coming from. No dispute there. But is it it smart, though? It, it was just smart? looking at the circumstances of what was going on. It was a 3 nothing game at that point. 
And as Judge mentioned after the game, he was playing field position. Can we stay in the game given the limitations we have on offense? I mean, the way that I look at it is forget just that circumstance. Here's the bottom line if you want to put things in perspective, and I think this is what you were getting at. The Giants had 11 possessions in the game against Washington, okay? And I feel like I know where you're going to go, conversation. Lance. What? I we, know where you're going to go. Yeah, you know where I'm going to go because I basically I've been bringing this narrative up every single week. And if you don't have much to show for your 11 at-bats, I think at the end of the day, your hope to keep things competitive is to have this conservative approach to grind it out. They had four straight three and outs, guys, to end the first half. So of their five possessions in the first half, they went three and out four times. Their first drive was the 10-play, 45-yard drive that ended on a turnover on downs. Second half, they have six possessions. They have one three and out, three turnovers, the pick six, the interception, and the fumble. So that leaves us with two more possessions, okay? They went six plays, 11 yards, they punted. So they had one possession in the entire game where they went 14 plays, 69 yards, and Jake Fromm hit Darius Slayton. So one out of 11, you prove that you can march down the field. And what did it take, by the way, to do that? No negative plays. You stayed ahead of the chains for the most part so that you were able to at least methodically move down the field. And That's Lance, one by out of the 11. Way, a completely blown coverage where sure. no one's yeah. within 20 yards of Darius Slayton standing in the end zone. All he had to do was put it up there and give him a chance to go up and make the catch, and that's exactly what happened. And, oh, by the way, that was the first touchdown reception, by the way, by a wide receiver since Pettis had one weeks prior to that. So, you know, when you add up all of these factors, and Giants fans know this firsthand. We're not stating anything that's coming out of the woodworks. The bottom line is it's been a struggle for weeks, so that's why you make a decision like that in terms of running with the quarterback. Nobody's saying that it's the ideal game plan, but I think that's the logic at least behind it. No, yeah, exactly, Lance. That's the perfect way to put it. That's not what you want to do. That's not a high percentage way to, to win football games by playing that way in a normal circumstance. The Giants the last six weeks, guys, let's not sugarcoat this. It literally, over the last six weeks, might be the worst offense we've seen in the NFL for 10 years. Like, if you put the, the, the total of those six games together into yards per game and points per game, I'd have to look at it. I can't imagine another NFL team has averaged fewer yards or points over a full season than that Giants team that we've watched the last six weeks has averaged over the last six games. It's under 14 points per game. And by the way, a bunch of those points have come in either garbage time or on defensive plays. <laughs> well, you know, you know, John, and that's exactly why when you look at it, you have to say, given the circumstances, is there a logical method to what they did? And obviously playing to the special teams. And by the way, I, I had a conversation with Fiegels about this too afterwards. I said, Jeff, you know, Dixon's been inconsistent. We all agree. But – but what you think, the, the last three games, and I thought yesterday, in fact, he was outstanding. And Jeff said, no question about it. The last three games, Riley Dixon turned things around, and he agreed with me. He thought that Dixon was excellent yesterday. And the coverage units were sensational yesterday. So if you're Joe Judge and you've just discussed with your coaching staff what you guys just put out there in terms of the offensive challenges that you have, and you also have belief – that your punter's getting it right, and your coverage units are really strong, which we seem to know. And, oh, by the way, your defense is the strongest part of your team. Why wouldn't you give them a shot to play it? 
I think that was absolutely the game plan. I don't see why. Which you know, he they described afterwards, and people yeah. seem to like not believe him. But given the circumstances, you know, given the circumstances, I and mean, and again, that's not the way you want to play. Of course not. You don't of course want not. to have to do that. But I sometimes mean, you have to. Exactly. Look, look, John, John. I'm going. I'm going to equate this to food again, right? You go, you go into the restaurant, and maybe you really wanted to eat Chinese food. But there's no Chinese food in the neighborhood. But you can find an American bistro. You can find an Italian bistro. You can find a, a German restaurant. Well, you know what? Maybe that none of those three would have been your choice if you could have found Chinese. But you couldn't find Chinese, so you went to the American bistro. You, do you make the best decision based on what it is that you've got available? And I think that's what Joe Judge was trying to tell people after the game. And I think all three of us are in agreement. Given the circumstances, he didn't have a whole lot of pails to bail out that ship. All right, guys. Uh, anything else on the game before I start taking calls? 201-939-4513. And by the way, folks, I don't have a screener, so I'm just going to put you on hold. You'll hear the show. And then, of course, when you hear the click, that means you're the caller. That's going to be on the air. And we will have Pierce and our call screener back tomorrow. So, guys, anything else on the game before I start getting to the phone calls here? Nope. I think that pretty much sums it up. Once again, I think we hit on the turnovers, the struggles on the offense. You combine both of those factors. And the only other thing, though, John, that I do want to throw out sure. is, and I can see this in terms of the final numbers, yesterday was another example of how the run defense overall, to me, has taken a significant step back this season. And that, I think, was the one element that wore down the Giants' defense this season. And when your offense puts your defense in a tough spot, if you can't stop the run you're going to have a hard time getting off the field. And I think we saw evidence of that throughout the season, but especially yesterday between Antonio Gibson having nearly 150 yards and, you know, them getting a lot of those big runs, 10, 15 yards, finding those openings to take pressure off of Taylor Heineke and not putting him in a situation where he had to air it out consistently. That was a significant step back, I would argue, for the Giants' defense this season. I know they weren't always put in the great position, okay? I'll give you that. But I think if there's one facet, and we talked about this in the offseason with some of the loss of the personnel, that run defense, I thought, I, I thought really struggled over sure. the course of this season from start to finish. No, I agree, Lance, and I think that that was a, that was a step back this year. And I think overall for the defense, too, I think a big part of this year is that they just played a tough schedule. You know, if you look at the quarterbacks they played this year as opposed to last year, it's a big, big difference. You know, this year they had Dak Prescott twice. They had Matthew Stafford. They had Patrick Mahomes. They had Derek Carr. They had Tom Brady. You know, go down the list, it was just a much tougher group. They had Matt Ryan much tougher group of quarterbacks than they had last year. And I think, yeah, the loss of Blake Martinez, the loss of Dalvin Thomas in the offseason, the run defense certainly was less consistent, which I think, you know, made their overall brand the defense, which is stop the run with your front, have your two safeties deep to prevent the deep plays. They still prevented the deep plays, right? But they weren't able to stop the run as well with their front, which is why I think their defense overall wasn't as effective. I think that's more than fair. 201-939-4513. All right, I got three people on hold. I'm going to get to you in just a second here. I got a question from Sonny Boy on Twitter. Just uh, He wants to address what we just talked about, so I figure we should get to that question before we um, get to the calls here. And it says, have you ever seen a team besides the Giants run that play, and then I think he had a he mistype here, but I don't understand what he said, in the history of the NFL? Have I seen a team inside the five-yard line just run the ball and not try to get a first down and punt it away? Yeah, absolutely I've seen that before. I think we've all seen that before, right? 
Without question. And I've now, even uh, seen uh, quarterback uh, sneaks in that situation, too. Now, usually the quarterback sneak is a little bit closer to the goal line. It's usually mm-hmm. at the one-yard line or so. Agreed. But the Giants did it at the four. But I've seen teams run the ball on a third and long inside their own five all the time because Without they want to get the ball out of there. Without a doubt, John. I, I, draw I, players, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And now, maybe, now, again, maybe not the quarterback sneak. But, again, I want to reference you back to next season. <laughs> not next season. I want to reference you back to last game. When they tried to run the ball traditionally twice in the exact same situation, and what happened? They had a safety. They lost yards on two straight plays. Anyway, 201-939-4513. All right, let's get to the calls. Caller, you're on the air. What is your name, and where are you calling from? Cole, you're on the air. If you heard the click, you're up. Brian from Atlanta. Brian, what do you got? Hey, guys. So, a uh, question uh, about a play in the game. So, you remember when McKinney had the uh, the interception? It was dislodged by McLaurin. Um, yeah, where the ball hit the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Aren't, aren't um, turnovers, aren't all turnovers reviewed by the booth? Yeah, but that wasn't a turnover. That wasn't ruled. ruled it was ruled an incomplete pass. Correct. And by, right, the way, right, no, I know. and by the way, it was the right call because he had not completed the act of the catch yeah. when the ball came out. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. But but what I'm saying is at the at the end of the play, right? McKinney had had the ball and then it was dislodged, right? So it it, it appeared as though the Giants had a chance for a turnover. Yes. Well, yeah, it appeared. Sure. But but, yeah. but, but, but then there was a okay. conference of officials and they decided that he had not completed right. the act of the catch before the ball came loose. Right. And, and to make it clear right. what Got the guys it. are talking about now, had it been ruled initially a pick, now the replay official can overturn it. And say it didn't. It. He didn't hold it through the completion of the play. The difference comes into it's kind of like you know, can you uh, can you uh, prove a fallacy or can you can you disprove you know? Uh, 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 well, I don't know what the hell I'm trying to talk about here, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how we think all the time. I know, I know, I know. No, you know what I'm saying. You kids, there are some things oh, like really you. Don't. There is something. No, there is. You can't. What is the What is the legal? There's a legal phrase for this. You can't prove a negative. Is that? What yes, you can't okay. prove a negative. I'm not sure. There if that's you a go. Legal phrase, but okay. Yeah. All right, well, but you can't prove a negative because the, the the ruling is you can throw the flag if the pick is ruled. You can't throw the flag if the incompletion's ruled. Yeah, well, what you're saying, Paul, okay. is it comes down to the initial ruling. That's going yes. to dictate what yes. NFL rules can then trigger in terms of review. That's why they advise the officials, and this is a different play, but when you see a defensive player pick up a fumble and then return it for a touchdown, what they're telling the officials is let the play play out, let replay then determine was it a fumble, so this way the touchdown can stand for the defense. If you blow it dead, then it's just going to be the spot of the recovery as opposed to the continuation of the touchdown. So those are the little minute things that are in play in terms of the NFL rule book. But you know, as Paul was indicating, Brian, the bottom line is it was ruled an incomplete pass, so therefore replay's not going to get involved in that situation. And he did not complete the process, as John mentioned, as he went to the ground. No different than a catch. You gotta complete the process. That's what it came down to. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so my, and my that, that was my point. Like because we saw a judge on the sideline, he had the flag uh, and so that's why you guys just took me through that, and I get it now. I, I wasn't clear on that, and that's what I was just calling for, some clarification. No, that was it, good. guys. Sure. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. All right, All right. Got it. Appreciate the call, Bye. man. Yeah, look, I understand. Look, I know, I know the, the argument would be that, oh, the ball, you know, the ground can't cause a fumble. And, yes, the ground can't cause a fumble, but the player has to uh, secure and complete the act of the catch before the ball comes out because – 
the ground can cause an incomplete pass, right? The ball can't cause a fumble, but the ball, the, the ground can cause it cause an incomplete pass mm-hmm. if uh, if he has not completed the act of the catch. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was borderline, guys. I thought no, it was crystal I. clear. So I mean, I, I really didn't see much controversy at all with respect to that. Nope. No, the ball came out. Yes, two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Back to the phones. Call you're on the air. What is your name and where are you calling from? Cliff from New York. Cliff, what do you got, pal? Uh, how you guys doing? Thanks so much for the rundown. Uh, uh, yeah, that was absurd about the the uh, the quarterback sneaks deep. I mean, how do you not? I mean, we we've seen that a thousand times. Anyway, uh, you know, uh, run the ball, stop the run, and cover kicks. We covered kicks. You know, I mean, um, I I was looking forward to to seeing the same kind of progress with the run uh, against the top ten run defense, and I, I guess we didn't see it, but I I still saw. Saquon uh, getting tough yards. I saw him uh, avoid some TFLs and, um, uh, and, and make some tough threes and fives. And uh, my experience when we were having trouble running the ball in the past is that it's a big deal when you get three, that it really makes a big difference versus one or two. Anyway, uh, as far as stopping the run, you know, until I heard Carl talking about Blake at the end of the day, I hadn't really thought about the loss of Blake all year, you know, but that was tremendous. I mean, um, and uh, I had also been very concerned about the loss of Dalvin, like a lot of us were. Uh, but when, John, when you put on that interview with Danny Shelton, I felt a lot better. I, I'm not sure how all that worked out, but uh, we, we, we took a step back on run defense, and, and Jabril was part of that, too, the way they were using him. So, That's a good point. So, we, you know, we were talking about injuries the, the last time, and, and Paul was saying that um, the... the um, the, the, there was total injuries that a doctor had posted, but what about starters? Uh, you know, when, when Washington loses Chase Young, that's not as bad as us losing Blake. Um, and and Because uh, they already had a, a really good front. They had a good front when Eli was still playing. And, and, and um, it, it, was just, it was just devastating. And, and uh, I'm still wondering about the O-line. Um, uh, I, I don't think it was possible to do as well as we did running the last five weeks. I have no idea what the run uh, defenses were of those teams we played in those weeks, but um, uh, it seemed like we were making some serious progress. And above all, my feeling all year has been I didn't think the talent acquisition in the draft and the free agency was our problem, that it was just the way the players were organized on the field to produce on the field. And uh, I would. I hope the first thing they do is hire an OC. Hey, look, there, there, there's absolutely no question that the offense has to get better. And look, you're at the point now where if you want to go restructure the offense and put something brand new in at this point, I don't think any of us have any objection to that. That's fine. The point we made during the season that the offensive coordinator wasn't the problem, and I think that that bore out in terms of how the season played out because they changed offensive coordinators and really nothing changed. Um but that doesn't mean that the offensive scheme can't be better. You know, those are two separate conversations. So if you want to put in some other scheme, you want to adapt the Shanahan system or something like that, which is, you know, it's still a balanced system. You're just running it a different way. All that is fine. But again, if you want to overall the scheme, that's great. If you still can't block, I don't care what scheme you have, you're going to have trouble scoring points. So if you're going to change the scheme, that's great. You want to put in a better scheme in or all for that. You want to put in a different scheme, that's all great. Fine. No argument. That's great. But you have to fix what's, what players the coaches have at their disposal along with the scheme. 
is the point that we're I don't know if think. I was I don't know if I was thinking much uh, scheme, John. I, I was thinking more of ju- just the organization of the offense. You know, I remember when I was playing in the fraternity league, there was only one team that that knew how to organize and end sweep. You know what I mean? I mean, we we just looked so totally discombobulated just in execution so many times. I mean, it seemed like the communication among the coaches we had that was the problem. I I, I wasn't thinking scheme. Oh, okay. Yeah. And 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 the, the thing about Jason was that he it, it, it seemed like he had he had too much stature for the job you know it, that's why he wasn't a fit in, in my distant view from the living room you know I mean I mean he was an eight year head coach with a lot of success as a head coach and he comes in as an as an OC for a 38 year old rookie coach and and I don't I don't know how that works communication wise as, as you're going forward with all these other coaches that you have under the OC and one of them. Was a was a line coach that he brought with him, and we all know what what happened with that. So, um, I'm just really concerned about uh, how they move forward. I frankly, I think the biggest asset the team has right now is the coach. I think he knows what he's talking about. I think he knows what he's doing. I don't know how much influence he gets when he's a rookie coach to hire his staff. I know that he's not signing their checks, but I just don't know anything about how. But. Going forward, I think there really is uh, a talent base to work with that, that was acquired, and and it needs to be organized better. And I, I hope he gets a chance, the coach, to sit down with owners before anything else happens. I right, appreciate the call. I mean, I would say organization isn't that what coordination is. I mean, when you talk yeah, about offense, isn't hand. that kind of the same yeah. thing, right? Well, I mean, I, I was trying to figure out what he was talking about. I, I think maybe he was hitting on the fact that there were a lot of procedural penalties. John maybe over the course of the season. I think that may have been what he meant by the disorganization at times. You know, the play clock running down, not getting personnel in in a timely basis. Maybe you could point to that. But once again, that goes in sync with coordination. I mean, part of that is on the coaching staff and the coordinator and so forth in terms of what you're running in the organization. I don't agree with one of the statements he made about the fact that Garrett was too high in terms of stature to take this job on because I'll give you an example that I was thinking of. When Sean McVay guys took over as the Rams head coach, okay, he was in his infancy in terms of his coaching career. He brought in Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator, who was a previous head coach, a polished coach who had had much high-profile jobs, and it was a very good fit. We did a good job with the defense. I know that they went their separate ways. North Turner has been an individual that has gone on to be an OC for various coaches during his career. So I don't really think it has anything to do with, you know, the fact that his resume was too big for that job. It just, the point total, the execution wasn't where it should have been. That's the bottom line. It's a production-oriented business. I really don't think it was him thinking, you know, what am I doing in this job because I was a head coach for nearly a decade with one team. You know, guys, uh, one of the small points that he talked about, and there's no doubt that uh, between Peppers and Blake Martinez and Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, the Giants did lose a a powerful part of their rush defense. It's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, they gave up 120-something yards a game on the ground this year. There's no doubt about that, and and I underestimated that. But I would also say this. Um, Looking at Dalvin Tomlinson this year for a Vikings team that did not make the playoffs, he did start all 16 games. He showed his durability once again for a career-low 39 tackles, two quarterback hits, okay, two-and-a-half sacks. He really had what would be considered the quietest year of his career. 
Well, he was never a big sack guy to begin with. No, uh, Paul, 39 tackles, out. career low, Lance. Yeah. I'm no, not going to well, let you get away with that one. Struggled. The Vikings struggled, though, in general, though. Yeah, I mean, so, but, but you well, know, Paul, Dalvin. Well, I, I think this is the point we made, though, that those guys were best together. Well, uh, no question. Separate, they're not no as question. individuals. They're maybe not as effective, but together, that's when they're going to play their best. Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that with all three of them, the Giants were a better rush defense. But my point about Dowlin is, you know, I remember so many people were saying, well, how can you not give him the money? Look, I wanted to keep him too. I, I thought they'd be better off if he was here. I didn't think it would be a huge loss if he got away, but Danny Shelton turned out to be very unproductive. I would add to you, by the way, Austin Johnson, 72 tackles this year. Now, he had a nice year. Which, by nice the year. way, ranks him fifth in the NFL amongst defensive linemen. How about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm also not a big fan of the tackle stat, to be honest. With uh, you. it mean it means he was active, but okay, it depends where the tackles are happening. And and I get that, I get that. But as a defensive lineman, trust me, Austin Johnson's not doing a ten yard dash to go get a guy back back behind him. I don't. Austin have to, Johnson's making tackles pretty close to the line. I don't have I don't have the stats in front of me though. Where did Tay Crowder lead the Giants in tackles this year? Yes. And. And um, how does that re- re- relate to, jo- to Johnson? Do you I don't think that means that he's a really good run defender because he led the oh, team Oh, no, tackles? but because because he's a inside linebacker, okay, he has much more room to roam and to make tackles, and his position happens to be beyond the line of scrimmage. Well, we went through this with Carlton Bailey when he was signed as a free agent from the uh, Buffalo Bills back in the mid-'90s. And Bailey came to the Giants, and he had big tackle numbers. And I called them empty tackles or empty stats because he would make a third and three tackle five yards downfield, and it resulted in a first down. As a linebacker, he's so far behind the line of scrimmage, those tackles can be empty tackles. A defensive tackle? No. Austin Johnson's not getting up, running five yards the other way to make a tackle downfield. He's not doing it. He's a defensive tackle. He's right. in the trenches. I, I, I understand that, but at the same time, so his tackles are more legit. Yes, but his but his the overall performance of the run defense is has to be. He's a big part of that. You know, he, if you're playing he, nose tackle, like the ability of you to stop the run, a lot of that's on the nose tackle. No. Well, well, I think unfortunately for the Giants, besides losing Peppers and besides losing Blake Martinez, the other thing was they did, and this is I was mistaken in my evaluation too. They did think that Danny Shelton was going to help there. And, and Danny Shelton did play a significant amount of early down run stopping downs, and he didn't get it done. That was more on him to me than it was on Austin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I can pull up, you know, other teams' rushing averages when each guy's on the field. I don't have that in front of me, but, I mean. Well, I also eh, look at, know. you know, the position with respect to nose tackle. To me, it's not just the tackles. It's is he clearing out space for the other guys to right. maybe clean up mm-hmm. and get in the hole so that you don't get to the second layer of the defense. So that's why, you know, going back to Paul in terms of the numbers of Dalvin Tomlinson, and once again, Minnesota's defense was a complete disappointment across the board, okay? To put that all on Dalvin is, I no, don't think, no, fair. I'm not I'm saying not you doing weren't that. doing that. I'm just saying that the Vikings defense overall, definitely fell far below expectations based on the personnel they had. But I think Dalvin was a good fit for what Patrick Graham was running. And I think Dalvin, as I said this during the offseason, did a lot of the dirty work, the stuff that does not show up in the box score. So if you were to say, describe me Dalvin Tomlinson, the last thing I would do if I was having a conversation with somebody who never watched him play is look at his statistics over the course of his Giants tenure. I just, I don't think that ever did him justice in general. So that's why I would shy slightly away from Dalvin's numbers 
to determine what exactly he did for the Giants' defense. That's all I, I'm saying. I, I, and I do agree with that premise. However, the facts still do remain that his numbers were much more underwhelming than any time when he was with the Giants. 201-939-4513. Let's go to our next caller. You're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, uh, Joe and PA. What's up, Joe? Uh, Happy New Year to all you guys. I don't think I did say that. Uh, did they have a did the you Giants too. have a press, press conference at 12 today? Nope. No. We have not no. had any okay. news or press conference or anything. For those of you tuning in late, um, obviously we have no word or news on any you know thing that might happen. People uh-huh. anticipating changes. We have nothing on that. As soon as we do, we will let you know and we will talk about it. Until then, we're happy to take your calls on whatever topic you guys want to talk about. Yeah, well, well I'm, I'm just wondering on that. And I heard Judge was supposed to meet with him around 9 this morning. I just... Erroneous uh, information, but, Joe. You gotta be careful okay, when you read well, stuff on the uh, web. Well, I I don't know what's going on. Just I'm just curious and everything like that. I guess it it starts with the uh, with Mr. Mara. However, he's going to handle this. I I would think he would have his opinions already on the general manager. Wouldn't you think that, Paul and you guys? Well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not in the office, so I, I don't know what they're thinking. But here's what I will tell you: John Mara will, John Mara and Steve Tisch will send out their decision whenever they're ready to send out their decision. Right. Okay. Now I, I, I will tell you this, and this is fair game. Okay, we we get told uh, after the games every weekend that there'll be a media availability on Monday, and we we don't know who's going to be on it or what they're going to say. But there's usually a next day media availability, like there yeah. will be today. And yeah, when that well, happens, everybody will know whatever it is that they say. Yeah, I guess you did see four or five coaches are already gone and general managers. So, yeah, I, th- uh, I think right now there's six openings, if I'm not mistaken, right, Lance? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know the exact count, but certainly the Bears and the Vikings cleaned house. Uh, Fangio was let go yesterday. Brian Flores, surprisingly, yep. parting ways with the Dolphins. So, I mean, those are the new ones. And then, of course, on top of that, it's whoever the interim coaches were. Jacksonville, Las Vegas, and we'll see what happens with Pisaccia. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's certainly, I mean, right there, we're yeah. talking 5-6. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have to comment on, on them. A uh, couple quarterback sneaks, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty sad. That's all I said. I may have seen it happen before, so I watched a lot of football. But it, it's pretty sad if you can't mass protect or roll out the quarterback or or do hand the ball off. That's all I said. There's it's the thing of being conservative, but to me, it's almost like putting up the white flag. It's pretty sad saying our offensive line is this bad. That's all. Well, on, it's not just that. the offensive line, Joe. It's the quarterback you have in there too. And this isn't a, 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 a taking a shot yeah, at Jake. Yeah, but Fum, he I like should Jake. be. He should be able to hand the ball off. I did see like. Uh, I don't know what yard line it was there. He did uh, play fake. We were down in within the 10, I think, and he had the fullback out there, and he just he, he underthrew him. You know what I mean? I understand that. But he, he, he should be able to hand the ball off or, or roll out and throw the ball away if somebody's not there on a play like that. Yeah, that, but, yeah but, what, what hap- but what happens if somebody's there when he rolls out? He throw the ball away. He can see it right away. Stepping back, he, Joe. He did you watch the rest of the game? I watched it, and I know what's going on. That's all exactly. I'm saying. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You're look again, on again. The white. No, no, Joey. Look, did did they wave the white flag on that possession? Yeah, absolutely. But they waved the white flag on that possession. It's lose the battle to try to win the war. 
I I understand, John, but it's to me it's pretty sad. That's that's all I I can say. Would it really I, have made a difference? Game, to, no, so Joe, real quick, would it really have made a difference to you if they ran it up the middle for two yards instead of quarterback sneaking it for two yards? Would that have made you happy? No, but uh, but, so then but who cares? Uh, I care. They could have picked up a first down. That's uh, I Joe, know. Joe, once they could. again, what's if, the if chances a, if a Jake Fromm is open, going to co- convert a third and nine at his own four yard line? What's the chance he succeeds at that, given the rest of the game? Okay, okay but you could throw the ball away. You, he could step back, and he has eyes. He's got to be able to do that and throw the ball away. Come on, you don't have to be that that talented to step back. Joe, without without step. trying to be without That's trying my, to be funny, without trying to be funny, do you remember that there was another occasion later in the game, deep in their own territory, he tried to throw a pass to the outside, mm-hmm. it got picked off and run back for a touchdown. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I I'm not trying to be funny. But, but Jake that, Jay- Jay- that happens. That happens to everybody. But you can't play scared. That's that's all. No, well, you're I'm, playing I smart, Joe. That. And thanks for the call, okay. Joe. We appreciate it. Maybe man. you think, but I don't care. I I would. I you know what I mean. You got to be able to hand the ball off and step back and pass. You know what I mean. I, your offensive line. You got to be able to max protect and run a play. Or you're Joe, never Joe. Win. I leave you with this thought, and we appreciate your calls as always. I'm very aggressive. I'm a feisty paisan. I love to be aggressive. I love to dictate my will on a game. I always believe in that every step of the way, except when circumstances are so out of whack like they were with the Giants yesterday. There have to be times when you say, you know what? This is not a perfect world. We have less than serviceable circumstances. We've got to try something that's going to help our percentages. In the last six weeks, when has this Giants offense shown they've been able to impose their will on anybody? Absolutely not. None. None. I'm serious. Like once in the last six weeks, have have we seen that on one drive? Maybe. I mean, you know, John, that the evidence is there. They could. They could not do that. You can't impose, If you aren't capable of imposing your will on somebody, then it's pointless to try it. If you've already proven that you can't. Two hundred one nine. Guys, they scored. Uh, I just uh, wanted Lance, to say, Lance, please. Four touchdowns in the last six games. Okay. Right. I mean, do we really need? I feel like as if this point we're splitting hairs. We're, we're debating should they have had twelve first downs or ten first downs I know. in the game? Should I know. they have had six third down conversions versus four third down conversions? I mean, let's just think about what we're trying to debate here. And I'm not saying amongst the three of us, but you know, just in terms of callers, fans, I understand, listen. That's the last game of the season. It's all you have to hold on to before we get to another game in the 2020 season. But I think in the big picture of things, I don't really think going over an additional first down or an additional third down conversion would have changed the fact that they've had four touchdowns in the last six games. Simple yeah. as that. No, look, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to argue that. I mean, just very quickly here, guys. Total yards in the last three games, 192 155, 177. I mean, doesn't that say all you need to know right there? I don't know what else you're supposed to say about that. Yeah, the lack of offensive production combined with the turnovers, at that point, you're saying to yourself, how do we just keep our head above water to maybe stay in a game that still is not lost, where it was 3 nothing. I mean, I think that's the best conclusion that you can come to based on the resume leading up to that game and then what happened to the second half when they wound up turning the ball over three times and things got out of hand. Right. You know what the irony is? 
you know, people say that we're always like, you know, we try to be optimistic and everything, but we're actually showing that like the other people that are calling up complaining about those play calls in like in effect, if you look at the logic of it, they have more confidence in the offense doing something good than we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm well, with you. It's hey, funny. Hey, yeah, John, we got, go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Uh, we, the, the Giants have now officially announced uh, Dave Gettleman has announced his retirement. And uh, as you folks can go to Giants.com. The announcement is on there, and also a uh, uh, words from Mr. Tish and Mr. Mara. Um, well, let me read it. Yeah, let please do. It. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Paul. I did not see that. Way to, way to keep your eyes open. Okay, here we go. Um, here's some quotes from the story, Paul. I'll give it to the guys right now. Uh, this is from Dave Gettleman. It was a privilege to serve as the general manager of the Giants the last four years and to have spent so many years of my career with this franchise. We obviously have not had the on-the-field success I expected, and that is disappointing. However, I have many fond memory here, including two Super Bowl victories, and I wish the team and organization only the best moving forward. There are many good people here who pour their souls into this organization. I am proud to have worked alongside them. And here we go. Uh, in a statement from John Mara and Steve Tisch, co-owners, we would like to thank Dave for his commitment to this franchise. He has had a highly accomplished 35-year career in the National Football League. Dave was integral in building three of our Super Bowl champion Super Bowl teams, including two championship teams. And we wish Dave, his wife Joanne, and their entire family all the best in his retirement. And Baron Tish said, this is the last part of it here, Baron Tish said the search for a general manager will begin immediately and will consist of a diverse pool of qualified candidates. Candidates will be announced after each interview is completed. And here's more quotes. Uh, this will be a comprehensive search for our next general manager, John Mara said. We are looking for a person who demonstrates exceptional leadership and communication abilities, somebody who will oversee all aspects of our football operations, including player personnel, college scouting, and coaching, Adding, added by Steve Tisch. It is an understatement to say John and I are disappointed by the lack of success we have had on the field. We're united in our commitment to find a general manager who will provide the direction necessary for us to achieve the on-field performance and results we all expect. So there you have it. And that is what we know as of the moment. There is no word uh, about anything else in that press release. Of course, there will be a media veil that will uh, will obviously be involved in later on, John. Um, the new general manager, whoever it turns out to be, will have five picks in the first 81, according to Tankathon, after yesterday's season-ending results. Uh, that last pick, for whatever reason, and I'm not exactly sure why, but it did fall out of the top 80, and it fell to number 81. Oh, I know why, because the Giants wound up with the uh, Miami pick there, and it, and it fell behind L.A. and Houston. So it's five in the top 81. So uh, and, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned the fact that the Giants do have two in the top 10 at number five and number seven. Yep. For those of you who may have been asleep last night and didn't take a look. <laughs> Well, because the Vikings wound up rallying at beating the Bears after Chicago had jumped out to an early lead in that game. Yes. Yes. Thank those Minnesota Vikings, right? <laughs> 201-939-4513. All right, we have some news, folks. Let's talk about it. Back to the phones call. You're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, guys. This is Mike. I'm calling from Connecticut. Mike, what's up, buddy? Hey, uh, before I get into my rant, I just wanted to thank you guys for the season. and I'm really looking forward to the draft. That was fantastic, what you guys put together in the – um, and for the 2021 draft, and I'm looking forward to what we do next year with the aforementioned uh, five picks in the top 81. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I was it. refreshing Tankathon every four and a half minutes. <laughs> so I was, I, was, I was on Tankathon quite a bit yesterday. But, you know, I thought I'd have to um, debate, but I, I, I can't say I 
completely agree, but I understand why we did the quarterback sneak, and I, I, I can't understand why other people don't. You know, when I don't think this was brought up, but uh, the Washington football team, or the red team, Paul, went three and out in the next possession. So it was a, it was a 3 nothing game. You improved your field position to the 20 after the Washington three and out. And, you know, just because the announcer said that it was a bad decision or they, you know, the anti-judge announcers said that it was a bad, uh, you know, thing to do in that, in that situation, I just can't agree with. When you, look at, when you look at what Denver had when they had no quarterback due to COVID, everybody was injured, and then even the offensive guru down in New Orleans when his quarterback was injured and COVID and all that, how did they look? Did they fire everybody because they had no offense in those situations? You know, the acquisition of Glennon and Fromm, the inability to create an offense that remotely close to the 2020 offenses throughout the league. And, you know, I'm not an expert on the offensive schemes throughout the league, but I don't know that um, – I think that Carl Banks is. I think that Tiki Barber is. And these guys are explaining that this, this offense isn't something that's – you know, David Deal is saying these are the plays that I ran 12, 15 years ago. So when you look at the big picture, it's kind of like if I went into the emergency room with an arrow through my head and collectively trying to figure out why I have a headache with the doctor and the emergency room and all the people that are there, and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you have a headache. It, it's very strange. It's the same thing when you, when you look at the addition of Garrett, which is most likely a merit thing. I love Garrett, big fan of the guy, but I don't know that he was the guy that should have been put into this offense. You know, I thought Flats was going to help out the offensive line. I didn't know enough, much about this sale fellow. But, you know, when you look at the big picture, that offensive line was abysmal. You lost three out of five, four out of five by the second quarter yesterday of your starting offensive line. And then you wonder why Jake Fromm isn't handed the keys to the car <laughs> at the four-yard line. You know, what, what would the optics have been if we would have done the same exact thing that we did? Everybody's talking about optics. What would the optics have been if we did the same thing that we did in Chicago and got another safety? This guy was in a much must-lose situation regardless of what he uh-huh. did on the four-yard yeah, line yesterday. Point. So, yeah. you know, hey, when you look at the big picture, worst-case scenario, we're going to have the aforementioned draft picks. We're going to have a new GM and hopefully an offensive coordinator that can bring us up to the 2022 level and then let Judge be the – the guy that walks around with the gas tank half full, half empty, and goes up to players and gets them to, uh, you know, gets them to play hard, which I think he can do. I think he's that guy. Is he the greatest coach in the NFL? No, I don't think he's the greatest coach in the NFL. Is he going to be Belichick? I don't know. But you got to give him a chance. After two years, if you, either, any one of you guys, two years into your job, how are you compared to how you are now? Yeah. I know I wasn't the same person I am. So, hey, uh, looking forward to everything that you guys have going on in the future, and I appreciate you taking my call. And, Thank and, you, Mike. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to everything you have off the air. Thanks, appreciate folks. it, man. Good stuff. Take care. Hey, look, yep. and, and I think just to add to what Mike said, look, I think the most legitimate, if you want to have a real you know, crit- criticism of, of, of the coaching this year, you know, whenever you're a head coach, and the head coach is responsible for their coaching staff, right? That's something we've said on the show a lot. And if you have to you know, let go of an offensive coordinator halfway through the year, that's you know, everything with the coaching staff comes back to the head coach, right? So if, th- if, that, if, that, if that's a main criticism that people want to have, I think that's a fair one. And Joe Judge has said that, right? You know, ultimately, he's, he's responsible for everything that happens with the team and the coaching staff. So uh, I think if, if you're going to have a criticism, I think that's probably one of the fair ones you can have. Mm-hmm. No doubt, John. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phone's call. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? 
you heard it click, you're on the air. Yeah, hi. This is uh, Mike from uh, New Jersey. Mike, what's up, pal? What do you got? Hey, how's it going? I I, I kind of echo exactly what uh, the last caller said. Just wanted to thank you guys, and I think the whole like diagnosing and dissecting the QB sneaks and every little minor detail that kind of just told the story of a horrible off-fit putrid season that came together, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of like you said, you're addressing the symptoms and not the overall problem, and the main overall problem finally just announced retirement, and I know that um, it's not a bad badmouth the guy or anything. It's just his process and his player development choices did not work out for the Giants. Every single move, essentially, that he made is either up in the air or they're still always talking about the potential of it working out, and it's not translating to actual direct results on the now, field. Now, Mike, generally and speaking, I absolutely agree with you. Oh, no, Mike, yeah. just real quick, overall, you're right. It has not worked, but you got you, 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 I will give him credit for two really good picks. Andrew Thomas looks like a really good pick, and Xavier McKinney looks like yeah. a really good pick. Yes, yes. Okay, and the guy, he deserves his credit where he's due. He was a yeah. good talent uh, evaluator. He's made it in the league. He's built rosters. But overall, at the end of the day, he said he was going to come in and fix the offensive line. The one piece mm-hmm. of the offensive line That's that fair. I say is immovable is Andrew Thomas. And look at the rest of the league. No. All of the good teams have stud offensive lines or at least have a foundation. Look at the Eagles. The Eagles were supposed to be a 2-15 and uh, 15 team this year. They were, they were as much a turmoil up in the air that we think that we are in now. And they turned it around because they have an above-average, average offensive line. Uh, better than that. Better than that, even. Yeah. No, you're right. No, like, look, Mike, no it, argument it, it, from us. Yeah, it, 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 that's the one thing I'm not sure about this organization is why they haven't realized that that is a winning formula. And we used to do that in the days of the, 20, uh, the 2007 well, 2012 well, well, Giants. Well, Mike, they tried. Well, Mike, they tried. Yeah. They just failed. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not like they didn't put resources yeah, yeah. into it. They, they, they threw a ton of money in Nate Solder. They drafted Will Hernandez in the second round. If you want to go back, yeah. you know, they drafted Parrot in the third. If you want to go back even further and talk about the Weston Richburgs and Justin, Justin Pugh's and yeah. Eric yeah. Flowers they, they and James Brewers, yeah. I mean, they've they, they tried. They, 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 it just hasn't worked. No, yeah, and that's, and that's the issue. And I think his talent evaluation the last couple of years, it, that's what happened. Just not He didn't pick the offensive lineman like he used to in the past. So, for me going into it, the first thing had to be done is they had to get rid of the GM. They have to get a new person in there to be the head of football operations, present, present a vision for the franchise going forward, and whatever falls down the line with Judge, we'll figure it out. But I do believe he's a good character guy, and I think he can run the organization if he has the correct personnel and has a say in it and has his guys around him because obviously there were some uh, questions around that earlier. It's just more of they just need to get a good GM in there to get the vision and invest in the offensive line, and they have tons of picks. Invest in the offensive line, overhaul it, allow all these skilled players and these great position players you have on the outside with Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Tony, when they're healthy, I understand, but give them time to produce an offense, actually. That's the one thing. It hasn't worked because the offense the last four years has been stagnant, stalling, and doesn't do anything because they can't protect and move the ball. Yes. Mike, 100%. Thank you for the call, pal. You know, the yeah, last caller. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yep. Appreciate it. Last caller referenced the Philadelphia Eagles and – I think there's a distinct difference, and I think, John, you were getting to this. There's a distinct difference in not attempting to fix your offensive line, meaning just thinking, you know, you bring guys off the street and everything's going to work out, or you try to bring in guys, it just doesn't work out, you didn't develop them, they got hurt, whatever it may be. Because you look at Philadelphia, the Eagles, first of all, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson have been mainstays on that team for years, okay? So, you know, those guys, they didn't come yesterday. They've been here, actually, for a few different coaching staffs. And even though Johnson's dealt with some injuries, 
Obviously, he's been a solid player. Kelsey's on an Ironman streak. Yep. That's why they played him against the Cowboys, because he hasn't missed a game in forever. You know, Landon Dickinson, they drafted in the second round this past season. Jordan Mailata, guys, we're talking about a seventh-round pick in 2018 who was a rugby player. Which, I Lance, mean, by the way, was That amazing. was a heck of a move. It is, but— And they developed him. And the best—the funny part of it is is that he developed and worked out. Their first one picked Andre Dillard hasn't. Correct, yeah. Which is amazing. And he's the guy filling in, yeah, for Andre Dillard, essentially, a left tackle because Dillard was the guy that they had at least penned in in that position. So, you know, you look around, and I don't think the Eagles went out and got seven first-round picks and said, we're going to snap our fingers. They found some gems. These guys developed, and then they had some cornerstones from previous regimes. So, you know, everybody takes a different path, but the bottom line is why Philadelphia is having success is those guys are producing. That's the end of the discussion. I mean, just look at their running game. They have the best running game in football. And it's because of the offensive line. They're winning their battles. The guys are getting to the second layer of the defense and helping those running backs thrive. That's been well documented all season long. Fellas, I did a real quick kind of uh, uh, sketch of the numbers that the playoff teams had this year compared to uh, what the Giants did. And, and I think it kind of relates to what you just said a second ago. Uh, the, the average... Rushing per game by playoff teams in the NFL this year was uh, about 120 yards a game, and the Giants ran for 99 a game. Uh, we talk all the time, and I've been talking about it for decades. You have to have a running game. You have to be able to run the ball when you want to run the ball if you're going to be a successful team. And, and you know, 44% on third down is your average playoff team offensively. 26 points scored, 118 yards a game rushing. Giants, 15 points a game, 37% on third down, 99 yards a game rushing. Those are three critical indicators for the success of your offense. And that's how far the Giants are from being a playoff team on that side of the ball. All right, let's go back to the phones, guys. 201-939-4513. I think it's line three. We got three more calls left. We'll squeeze everyone in. Call, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? It is John from Maine. Johnny, what's up? Good. Um... I noticed that um, Pat Shermer was let go by the Broncos, and I think we should uh, bring him in as an offensive coordinator because he's so good with Daniel Jones a couple of years ago. I understand where you're coming from. I don't think I don't think that's ever happened where a guy was a head coach for a team, got let go, and then came back as the OC. I just don't think that's something that can work. But look, say what you want about Pat, and I and I've said this. I've been very consistent, guys. You can you remember I've said this many times. You know, Pat Shermer might not be a great fit as a head coach. But I, I always thought he's a good play caller. But I just don't think it's realistic to think he's going to come back here after being let go as head coach to be an OC. I, I, I just don't think that's realistic. Okay, good, good. Um, one other thought. <clears throat> um, I don't think we should trade uh, for Russell Wilson uh, because of the Randy White to Craig Morton trade where we, draft, we traded a, uh, <laughs> a draft pick that came out to be a Hall of Famer in Randy White for Craig Morton who was here for three years. But the interesting thing about it is his last year here, Morton, he was 2-10. and 10. The next year with the Broncos, he was 12-2. and two. So I don't think the quarterback is the answer uh, on a team without talent. Well, I think so. you're talking about the environment shapes the quarterback. That's pretty much what you're spelling out there. John. Now, it doesn't mean that the, the having the best quarterback possible isn't vitally important to the success of a franchise. But, yes, obviously what happens around the quarterback is very important as well. Yeah. And just lastly... Um, I enjoyed these last six games because it made me feel like 1967 again. I felt young. I feel young again. 
Paul, do you feel young again? That's one way to put it. <laughs> Thank you for the call. I was just going to say, that's certainly one way to look at it, yeah. 201-939-4513. All right, let's go to our next caller. You're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Caller, go ahead. Hello? Yes, you're on. Hi, how you doing, sir? This is Jason from Raven. Jason, we're, we're up against it. you got to be quick today, all right, pal? You can, okay, yeah, just, uh, you just can, uh, one thing, and I'll take, I'll take it off the air. Um, you can call back in your later in the week. It's okay. All right. Um, I just wanted to know what I'm, I'm hearing reports that judge may stay. I don't know how true that it is, and I'm not asking you guys if it's true or not, because maybe you guys do or don't know. No, we honestly, honestly, is, Jason, we don't know, so <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you if I okay. did. Okay, I remember John, uh, John, I you last week when I called with you and Jeff. I just wanted to know in your guys' opinions, um, okay? what 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 do you see, what would be the reasoning for keeping Judge? And I'm not saying we are or we're not, but in your estimation, guys, what would be the reason that you think would be a good reason for keeping Judge? I know Flores and a few other head coaches got released today um, that, to me, are better head coaches, if I may be frank, than Joe Judge. So what would be your reasoning, if I had to ask you guys, for keeping Joe Judge and uh, – I'll, you know, I'll take it off the. I'll call that later. No, tomorrow. thank you, Jason. Appreciate the call. Well, I think we've kind of said this a lot the last the last week or so. We've had these conversations, obviously, and I'll just try to summarize my my opinion very quickly. And I think the way I look at it, I've been pretty consistent here, guys. I don't like to f- let go of a coach just because you're angry because the team did poorly. You need that. You want to have a concrete reason to say, all right, well, I think you know we can't succeed with this guy because of x y and z you know we 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 can't he, he we're just not going to have success with him and i want to give a coach a fair chance to succeed and i don't think given what happened with the team this year this coaching staff had a fair chance to succeed given again we talked about it all year right the offensive line all the injuries in the middle of the year that that caught up to you and i just don't think they had a fair shot given the talent that was at their disposal that's why I would do it. Don't make a change for the sake of making change. Make a change only because you see, all right, this is the problem. I need to fix it. And that's my very, very quick thumbnail, generalized rationale here um, in terms of why I would not make the move there. Another part of the equation here, you know, just some food for thought, now that we know that Dave Gettleman has officially retired – and I don't know what the Giants are thinking. I'm just talking out loud, guys. How they go through the GM process, who they speak to, who ultimately gets that job, maybe they will ultimately have a say in terms of what's going to happen well, moving yeah, sure. forward, too. And that perhaps is part of the Giants' game plan right now. Hey, let's stay as is, and let's just wait out and see what goes on with respect to the GM process. You at least need to keep that in mind because that clearly is an important part of the equation, right? The dynamics between the general manager and the head coach who have to work hand-in-hand I find it hard to believe that the coaching conversation wouldn't take place within who you ultimately bring in or promote as your general manager. Yeah, Lance, and I think you make a great point, right? And eventually, and who, again, we have no idea what's going to happen. If at some point a, a change is made and they say, well, we want to start fresh if the GM chooses his own guy, that is a perfectly good rationale for making a change. And I don't think any of us would argue against that necessarily, but we don't know how that process is going to play out. Paul? No, I, I think ultimately both of you guys were very fair in your statements and in what you're projecting. And look, the bottom line is this, okay? Um, we know, we know for a fact because we're around these people all the time that nobody wants to win more than the Mara family does. And, and I don't see the Tish family as often, but I know that they want to win too. 
And so you can bet every single dime that you have out there that they're going to do whatever it takes to try to put the best people in place. And you know what? We all make mistakes. We all we, we all wish that we could have hindsight and always make the right decisions. But that doesn't always happen. All right, final call of the show. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Great job by the caller. So you guys have been quick, succinct. We've gotten to a bunch of you. Really nice job on the phones today, guys. You're wrapping up the show. Caller, what you got? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Stas from Washington. Stas, what's up, man? I'm I'm gonna have to put the express on your call. You can call us back later in the week too, bud. That that's cool. That yeah yeah, that's perfectly fine. Uh, that one guy though said he felt younger. I feel like this season aged me five <laughs> years. It was rough to watch. Um, well, but, I tell you, uh, Stas, I wish that Fran Tarkenton was quarterback in this team because that would have been a whole lot more fun. <laughs> right. Um, a, a few things, man. I, I agree with a lot of your points, John, that you were just making. Um, I, I do think you have to stick with Judge, not only with this season, you know, kind of, I mean, I think it was, what, three centers and four guards throughout the duration of the season. Like, that's, that's so hard to manage, and then you lose your quarterback and so on and so forth. And, and it's the league, and you got to make these adjustments. But I think the sample size is too small, and, and, and I, don't, I don't agree with this, you know, swipe left, swipe right mentality where you just, oh, well, let's change because we, we just want to change and. And you're never going to get things going. You, know, you need to sustain. I, I don't want to make a trade for Russell Wilson because I don't think we're a quarterback away. And if he's complaining about how much he's getting hit in Seattle, well, guess what? Imagine if he was here. Um, <laughs> That's a good point, Stas. You know, uh, you know like, like it's, it's not going to be much better. That's a good point. Um, and, and the only thing that's going to happen is you control his contract for, for two years. I think his contract has two more years on the contract. So you give away you know, three ones is what they were asking last time. And you give away three runs, and you have him under control for two years. It doesn't make it just doesn't make sense. To and me. by the I'd way, like Stas, two of those three ones would be a, the fifth and seventh overall picks that have yeah. tremendous yeah. value. These yeah, you can't like address picks, positions yeah. you know, this year. These yeah. aren't picks in the twenties we're yeah. talking about now. These are fifth and seventh would, overall pick. Those are monster value picks. And I'll tell you, I would not be opposed to going. Um, between the first two picks, the second, and one of the thirds of those, all four of those picks being O line and edge, I would be a hundred percent happy with that. I like, would be fine 1, with that too. I would be fine with that um, too. I, I just, I just want to see uh, when it comes to GM. I don't want to roll the dice. I want somebody who's done it. I want someone that's that you know that I don't care how many teams that they've. You know, it doesn't always end well, right? Like, like people pick apart John Dorsey or Dolan. You know, and, and they pick them apart because sometimes their relationships didn't end well. I want to see what they did. How many pro bowlers did they draft? How, you know, is it, was, was the team better when they left um, or worse? You know, I, that's what I want to look at. I just want to get a good GM that's going to come in here and make those progressive thoughts and make those progress, progressive picks. I'm fine with Judge. I really think Daniel Jones has not been set up for success at all. And I think if we were to trade, move away from Daniel Jones and he got on another team that protected him, I think we'd be be really upset at ourselves down the road. But outside of that, I'm glad it's over, even though in some weird way I I will miss Giants football next Sunday. Um, It's still, it was a season that, you know, let's go win the offseason at this point. Thank you, Stas. Guys, thanks for all that you do. I appreciate you guys for all listening out there. And guys, seriously, just want to thank you guys for. Sticking with us all year. I know it's been a rough one. No one knows better than we do. <laughs> but you've stuck with us. We literally, the phone's off the hooks on every show. We never have a, you know, very rarely do we have a, a low number of callers. And we just thank you guys for sticking with us. Because, you know, there has been a lot of winning. 
But you guys have been loyal. I look at our numbers. Our numbers continue to go up. They're up 20% from last year, um, despite the fact that the product's worse. So just want to thank you guys for, for sticking with us and, and being patrons of the show. Lance, Paul, anything to add before we say goodbye? No, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, the Giants players have started their news conferences. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, um, Daniel Jones, also uh, Logan Ryan all talking about the fact that Judge did meet with the team today, addressed the team about how they have to improve going forward. Uh, standard checklist stuff, according to Logan Ryan. Daniel Jones did say he won't have any contact until August, but at some point during the spring or summer, he does expect to be cleared for contact. Not that he needs it, because as he said, he won't be involved in any contact until uh, you know late next summer. So he uh, he has all the confidence in the world that everything is going to move forward and progress as it should. And uh, basically, that's that's about it. Uh, the, the three guys not indicating any surprise about uh, the events. To this point today, I will say that Dexter Lawrence and uh, and um, uh, Daniel Jones both expressing uh, gratitude to uh, to Dave Gettleman for for all of his efforts and everything that he did for the organization. And of course, Daniel Jones saying, "Look, he picked me number one. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here." Uh, let me just read two quotes from a couple of the reporters, Paul, from some of the media. Uh, Art Stapleton, Logan Ryan said Joe Judge ran a standard team meeting today, and this was the quote that he put in his little tweet. It wasn't like he announced he was coming back. Paul Schwartz from Daniel Jones, there's a healing process that takes time, says he's feeling good, and then he said, Jones apparently said, I think it's weeks, and that's in quotes, as far as his time frame for full recovery, but there's no rush because he doesn't engage in any contact um, until August. I'm trying to see if there's any other quotes here. Lance, if you see anything, feel free to chime in. Based on what other people are reporting from some of these media veils, I don't see anything else that looks particularly pressing at well, the I moment. Well, I think the only thing I'll jump in, I'll say Daniel Jones, from what you guys had mentioned, is pretty much echoing the same sentiments that was in that statement when they shut down Daniel Jones for the season, which was rest and recovery is going to be the game plan and that he will ultimately make a full recovery to be ready to go next season. And it seems as if that's what he's indicating. There was also no indication from Daniel Jones that he needs to undergo surgery or undergo the knife so there you go I mean I think once again that falls right in line and what we were hearing once they decided to shut him down for the season yeah, and Paul you tweeted out I see a couple of the reporters as well that it's not like he can't do everything he needs to do in the offseason he just can't have contact he says he's going to lift and he's going to run he's going to do everything he's supposed to do offseason conditioning but no contact well and, there's no and contact right. in the spring anyway exactly so really, it makes no he's, difference. he's absolutely yeah. right I don't expect him to be going on American gladiators anytime <laughs> soon yeah, well, I don't think the Giants would recommend him <laughs> no. doing that either. So. I, I, don't, I don't think yes. so either. Uh, guys, final thing is because I know we're going to kind of lose this as, as we move into the week here, and I know we're over, but I just want to get your take on it. What was your take on the game last night? That was maybe the wildest final game of an NFL regular season I remember. And, whoo man, um, I'm not surprised. I thought the Raiders, just because of the way Rich Passaccia is and the way the Raiders go about their business, that they would go and try to win the game. My thought at the end there very quickly is that they were going to run the ball. If they gained enough yards to set up a game-winning field goal, they were going to kick it. If they didn't gain enough yards on the ground to kick a game-winning field goal, they would have happily taken the tie and gone into the playoffs. And to me, I don't think the Chargers' timeout made a lick of difference. I think the Chargers just can't give up a 10-yard run to Josh Jacobs there. And I think if they hold Josh Jacobs to a th two- or three-yard gain there— uh, they're heading head to the playoffs because the game's probably going to end in a tie. And that was kind of my take on the whole thing. Lance? Well, they were at the Chargers' 39-yard line, and Jacobs moved them to the 29. And Daniel Carlson's a very good kicker. 
I mean, he's been money this season, so I'm sure Bisaccia had full confidence, even if Jacobs gets half of that, John. Oh, yeah, half I'd say sure. he's going to bring him up for a field goal because Carlson's had a number of game winners. He's I'll been one of the most lands, consistent kickers. Kick it a 56-yarder, there's a real chance at a block there because you have to kick it a little sure. bit lower. And there's it gets always riskier. a risk. But my philosophy is, and this is more of a statement of the product of the NFL, John, than necessarily the two situations pertaining to those teams, and I understand that they knew going in. I think it's better for the NFL product if you have the team, at least one of them, making an effort to try to win the game. Because I think the league would have a bigger issue if it's crystal clear that they're doing nothing whatsoever down the stretch of overtime to try to at least come to a conclusion in that game. And I understand, listen, the Chargers and the Raiders don't owe anything to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let me make this crystal clear. Okay, Pittsburgh had opportunities to pitch in themselves oh, in the course. playoffs. So they don't owe it to Pittsburgh, but I would say they owe it to the NFL, to the league, to try to do everything in their power to win the football game. So I had absolutely no problem with how Las Vegas finished the game. Paul, your thoughts before we say goodbye real quick? Well, I would only say this. If I'm the Raiders, uh, I got two choices. I can either kick that winning field goal and go to Cincinnati in the first round, or I can settle for the tie and go to Kansas City in the first round. <laughs> That's a good point, too, Paul. Um, That's a good point, too. I'm just trying to figure out which one I'd rather do. You probably don't want to be in Kansas City. Come on, guys. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I laughed at the entire debate. Yeah, I right. just thought it was hysterical. Do you really want to go into Patrick Mahomes' backyard in the first round? Come on. Yeah, what I, I don't what think I, about it. What I don't understand is why everyone thought that that Staley timeout meant anything. Like I don't think that meant a lick of beans. Not to the Raiders. To no, I don't think it did either. Are you kidding me? You know the Raiders knew what the scenario was, and if, if there's one thing that we keep saying on this show, it's about matchups. And by the way, the Raiders have been obliterated by the Chiefs twice this Correct. year. Correct. Obliterated. Correct. Last year, but yeah, it was bad this and year. And in the playoffs, matchups take on about 10 times more no. importance than they do during the regular season. Paul, great point. And if they can go to Cincinnati, you're damn straight they were going to kick that field goal. Paul, good stuff. Lance, good stuff. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. I should make sure I get my copy in here. I did not do it earlier. Hey, Giant fans, secure season tickets to the 2022 season today for only 100 bucks. Limited seats available. Speak with the Giants tick rep now. Become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Dave Gettleman has retired as Giants general manager. The search is on for a replacement. We'll cover that and a whole lot more when we're back with Big Blue Kickoff Live on Tuesday at noon right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. We'll see you then.